0: Happy Good Friday, Story Fam! Hope y'all are having a great week so far and a great day today. It is Easter weekend. It's finally here. And for the first time since 2019, we're going to gather in person to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And I cannot wait. Now, I know that it won't be all of us, at least not yet. Not everyone's ready to jump back in. And if that describes you, listen, my heart's with you. I completely understand your reasons for not. Wanting to gather in person yet, I just want you to know that I miss you so much. And our community will not be complete until everybody is able to come back and to come back safely to worship Jesus together. Now, for those of you who are planning to come this Sunday, you need to be aware that because of our commitment to everyone's safety, we're limiting the number of people at every service. That means, guys, you're going to need to RSVP for the Sunday, Easter Sunday service that you and your family or friends are planning to attend. And you need to know that our Sunday services are already filling up pretty fast. The two most popular services are the 945 and 11 at River Oaks. Those are both full now at capacity. Um, The 830 at River Oaks still has some availability. The 7 a.m. outdoor sunrise service at River Oaks has even more availability. And my favorite option for you is that our 945 timber grove service still has some openings. And that would allow you to be a part of the first ever Easter celebration at our Timber Grove campus, that many of you have invested in and prayed for for months. So, if you go to Timber Grove in the Heights, you'll you'll um, you'll hear the same message from the same preacher from yours truly. Uh, you'll hear some great music, and it'll be a really fun welcoming vibe, like it always is at the story, just in a different building and uh, in the Heights. So, hope you can check out uh, the Timber Grove campus if you're so inclined. And then finally, our uh, after party, right? The evening event on the front lawn, the big, beautiful front lawn of our Timber Grove campus at 8200 Washington Avenue is at 6 p.m. No RSVPs are required for that. And that's a whole different service, a whole different event than in the morning. So you can wear your Easter best in the morning, whichever service you're coming to, go home, take a nap, eat some food, then put on the most comfortable outfit you can, appropriate outfit that you can, church appropriate, and come on out to this casual outdoor after party for some food, some live music from the Story Worship crew, um, some different teaching uh, and and some storytelling. I I don't want to spoil it, but it's going to be great. Uh, And also some local breweries are going to be boasting their best products as well. So I can't wait for that celebration. Today's reflection, this week's reflection, is called Caesar versus Christ. Forty years before Mary gave birth to Jesus, the most powerful man in the world, was assassinated. Julius Caesar ruled the vast Roman Empire, and he was so powerful that the Senate voted to deify him, and the people called him their god. In 44 BC, Julius Caesar was infamously attacked and stabbed to death, and in his last will and testament, he adopted his nephew Octavian as his son and his successor. When Octavian took power, he became Caesar Augustus. He was called the Son of God because he was Julius Caesar's son. During his reign, the empire tripled in size. Augustus reigned for 41 years, and during his 23rd year on the throne, on the outskirts of a minor Roman province in an insignificant town and to a teenage mother, a child was born. Augustus never heard his name. Jesus was nobody to him. When Augustus died in 14 AD, his stepson Tiberius took power, and his reign continued throughout the rest of Jesus' life. Tiberius was the Roman emperor when Jesus died on the cross. The Gospels mention Tiberius five times, but Tiberius never said the name Jesus. Caesar didn't have time for insignificant religious uprisings in places like Judea. Judea was nowhere to Rome, and Jesus was nobody to Caesar. Siberius died in 37 AD, and his great-nephew, Gaius, rose to power. Gaius never spoke of or cared about Jesus. Four years later, he was assassinated, and Claudius took over after him until the year 54 AD. Now, Claudius was the first Roman emperor to mention Christ whenever he expelled the Christians from the city of Rome. He kicked all the Christians out of the city of Rome because they, and I quote, constantly made disturbances (laughs) those those christians you got to watch them they constantly made disturbances at the instigation of christ so yes in this quote claudius does mention jesus or christ but clearly claudius doesn't know anything about jesus because he thinks jesus is instigating all these uprisings he thinks he didn't even know that jesus had died or that he was he had claimed to be resurrected he just knew that some guy was causing trouble Now, by the end of Claudius' reign, the followers of Jesus were busily spreading the gospel across the empire. And even though the Christians had been banned from the city of Rome, they had some success there by going underground and establishing a formidable Christian presence in the city. After Claudius died, the evil Emperor Nero took over, and Nero's hatred of the Christians has been well documented. Nero's security forces often raided church gatherings and arrested the Christians there. He fed them to to rabid dogs and to hungry lions for entertainment in the Colosseum. He burned them alive on lampposts to light the city at times. Nero believed that he could suffocate the Jesus movement just as, as Rome had so successfully suffocated so many other similar rebellions in the past. Nero ordered the, the arrest and the execution of James, the half-brother of Jesus, and then he had Peter crucified, and then he, we think he beheaded Paul. By the time Nero died in 68, he thought he could take solace in ridding Rome of those insidious Christians, but by the end of the first century, Nero was dead, as were Claudius, Gaius, Tiberius, Augustus, and Julius Caesar, long dead. And there were over 100, I'm sorry, there were over 1 million Christians alive throughout the Roman Empire, alive and well, over a million people, fully devoted to that nobody Jewish rabbi from nowhere. And today, of course, 2,000 years later, the Christian church continues to take the world by storm while the Roman Empire is relegated to the history books. This Sunday, over 3 billion people will gather in churches around the world to worship the name of Jesus, while the only time you'll ever hear anyone call on the name of Caesar is if they're ordering a salad or when they're telling the story of Jesus. People in China today, this weekend, are worshiping Jesus, even though they could be arrested and thrown into re-education camps by the Chinese Communist Party for doing so. Christians in India are worshiping Jesus, most of them breaking with their family Hindu tradition and paying some social price for that, no doubt. Christians in Ethiopia, most of whom are dirt poor, worship Jesus this weekend with joy, joy that is rich. Christians in Indonesia will worship Jesus this Sunday, even though last Sunday one of their churches was targeted by terrorists. And every year, COVID notwithstanding, 2,000 years after being expelled from Rome by Claudius Caesar, thousands of people will gather in the middle of Rome on Easter Sunday to worship not Caesar, but Christ, Jesus. That nobody from nowhere who died a criminal on a cross will be high and lifted up in Rome this weekend. How did that happen? (laughs) Have you ever thought about How it happened? How do you explain the rise of Jesus and and his movement after him? If Easter didn't really happen, then it's all just some series of random coincidences that added up and lined up just perfectly, just a lucky twist of fate. And a third of the world's population from China to Egypt to Houston, Texas, will be bowing down this Sunday before a dead man who lived a lie. Y'all know I've always been a skeptic at heart. For years, I believed that the resurrection was a powerful image, but a metaphor, just a meaningful allegory about how life overcomes death, love overcomes hate, and light overcomes darkness. And that's really all it meant to me. It was symbolic. But the more I began to weigh the evidence around the crucifixion, the harder it got for me to deny what actually happened. As crazy and illogical as it may sound to you, the more I learned about the resurrection, the more plausible that the empty tomb became. And if the tomb was really empty, that means Jesus was truly God. And if Jesus is truly God, then Jesus is the truth. And if Jesus is the truth, then everything about my life had to change. Because up until that point, I'd been living as though it was all up to me. But if Jesus is the truth, then all that matters is Christ in me. And maybe you've been living like I was, as if it's all up to you. But if Jesus is the truth, all that really matters is Christ in you. So happy Easter, story fam! I cannot wait to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ with you this weekend. I love y'all. Have a good one. Bye-bye.